Living Corporate is brought to you by Doximity. Over 90% of graduating medical students join Doximity to use our tools before earning their doctoral degree. As medicine's largest network, there's an elevated level of responsibility to everything we do. We don't take that responsibility lightly and are committed to working towards a more equitable world inside and beyond our virtual office walls. If you want to learn more about Doximity, make sure you go to your app store, type in D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. That's D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Clarity Podcast, where you'll not only get the insight to help you transition your career, but we'll have raw, unfiltered conversations about equity and access in corporate America. I'm your host, Tristan Layfield of Career Clarity Solutions, formerly Layfield Resume Consulting. And today, I had the honor of having Deidre Fogarty from Black Girls Teach on. She's the CEO of Black Girls Teach. She's an educational consultant coach, and founder of the organization. She has worked in the education field for over 15 years in various capacities, such as a classroom teacher, special educator, literacy coach, and school leader. Uh, She founded Black Girls Teach to amplify and address the needs of Black women educators and educators of color. Um, Deidre also supports educators interested in pursuing entrepreneurship by providing business and social media coaching. So welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, everyone. Hey. So, Deidre, like what? We met We met online, right? We met on Instagram, if I'm not mistaken. So. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know when it was, but um, I remember um, reaching out to you in terms of just like resume services, just because I remember my resume was just a whole hot mess. <laughs> and I just remember being so blown away by like, when you finished it, I was like, Oh my goodness, this looks amazing. And then all the compliments I would get from people who would say, Oh my God, your resume looks so beautiful. And I'm like, yes, it does. And so, and just sharing your information with as many people as I know, um, just because you just did such a great job with being able to pull out the all the different things that I had done and all the things that were in my head like you were able to take that out and put it on my resume as well as my LinkedIn (laughs) and that just made me feel so much more confident you know when I was entering into just like applying for jobs and things like that because I know sometimes your resume can hold you back if it's looking janky and (laughs) you made my resume look really good and and people noticed it in terms of when I was applying for jobs and they saw it, they'd be like, oh, this is really nice. So, yeah, that's how we connected. Yeah, that is. I appreciate all the kind words. I will take them. <laughs> I will take them. But, but yeah, you know, I tell people all the time, you're the expert in your career. I'm the expert in wordsmithing and marketing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you gave me some good information to really go off of, and I just I just ran with it. So <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate it. And then, and then you even plugged me into your organization. I've had mm-hmm. other educators come to me. And so, so I just appreciate the support, truly, honestly. Yes. Um, and when I started the podcast, I was like, okay, 
I really have to get you on here because education is one of those places when we talk about careers, oftentimes I think education is a place that goes overlooked, um, mm-hmm. isn't always talked about as often. Um, and I I have a lot of educator friends. Um, another guest that I, I'm going to have coming on, he's, he's more in the uh, higher education field. Um, but I just like to make sure that this isn't a topic that I skim over because I work yep. with educators all the time and this is important. So yes, thank you. <laughs> Look, look, I, I, I swear we're gonna get into it later, but y'all, y'all need y'all need to at least get paid six figures starting to from yes. my my standpoint, but you know, we'll I get agree. There. <laughs> so usually I start with a couple of questions because I, I I like to sort of guide the conversation, but in your instance, I sent you an article that I think actually is going to be a better starting point than our questions. I think the questions can come after the article. Um, So let's jump into sort of the popular news around careers and education right now, right? Right. So I sent you an article, I think it was from like NPR or something. Um, It was about teacher shortages, um, a reality of school struggle to fill new positions, right? So before we get into the full content of the article, I just want to hear from you because I seen stuff all over social media, Instagram, TikTok, all these different places where people are like, there's a teacher shortage. And then people are like, there's not a teacher shortage. There's a shortage of people who will not pay teachers what they're worth. There's Where are you at in this conversation? What do you think about teacher shortage? Is it real? Is it not? Is it nuanced? Where are we at? Well, I think it's, it's definitely reality in terms of like, there is a teacher shortage, right? Because there are more teachers that have left the classroom. And I think that it started with the pandemic, um, where teachers, you know, had to quickly transition into one minute we're teaching the next minute we're like, okay, you know, we're going to start this online learning, virtual learning and, you know, getting used to the whole concept of teaching from home. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think the pandemic, it gave a lot of folks time to really reflect on what it is that they, um, what do they want in terms of their career and just different, more and more people just started speaking about things on social media. And so when it came time to transition back into schools, um, many people left the profession because they realized number, some people realize they enjoy working from home. Some people realize there are other opportunities. Some people, you know, just had a little bit more time to reflect on the conditions. And I think that the conditions in schools were were so much more coming back from the pandemic, a whole nother, just a a whole new range of, of issues that were on top of the ones that were already there. Mm -hmm. And so now teachers are at a place where are realizing that they don't have to continue to work in certain conditions. And there are jobs out there that will pay them more money and give them more flexibility um and just a whole slew of things and so now they they realize they have options um whereas before i don't think folks really realize that they they had options um and so there are definitely places in the country where there is a teacher shortage um Mm -hmm. but it also goes back to the fact of like there's a teacher shortage for a reason you know Mm -hmm. there there are reasons why teachers have left um Aside from everything that I mentioned, but just like the conditions of the school, the leadership, all these different things that have that are pushing teachers, good teachers who are having to make hard choices about, you know, um, they're about whether or not to stay in the profession, because um, a lot of teachers, they don't necessarily 
want to leave the profession or leave the students, but sometimes they feel like they have no choice. And so now we are where we are, where there is um, schools that have shortages of many. I mean, this, a lot of the, the folks that I know that are school leaders are dealing with uh, teacher shortages and the impact that there's there are huge impacts that it has on students um, mm-hmm. because of this situation. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think the article said, like, before the pandemic, there was like 8.1 million people who worked in public schools during the pandemic that dropped to like 7.3 million. Um, And now we're back up to 7.7 million, which is still a shortage of like 360,000 positions, right? Yeah, Um, yeah. Which is wild. And they said like a federal survey found that an average of 3.4 teaching vacancies, there were an average of 3.4 teaching vacancies per school as of this summer. Um, And that's, Mm -hmm. that's, you know, you hear the number 3.4 and you're like, that's not a lot, but that's three, three and a half whole classrooms missing a teacher, right? We're talking about, about, if we talk about 20 kids in each classroom we're talking about 70 kids that's sort of displaced in sort of the school at this point and less teachers are going into the profession too so it's like it's not attracting people so these teacher prep programs things like that they're just Mm -hmm. not attracting the same number of teachers so less i mean because like the press right now with teaching is not good so why would anybody want to like you know go like it it's just not it's not a good place to be in terms of the the media coverage so of course people coming out of college are going to feel like okay i don't know about going into this profession because they feel like they're walking into something that is just not not yeah. going to be a good fit yeah i yeah, it is sad. And in the article, it says something like one of the teachers realized they could literally walk down to Chick-fil-A and get a job and get paid more than being a, a teacher, which I was like, that is utterly insane right now. Right? Yeah, like, there they're... are there's some places in the country where the pay is decent. Um, and those are typically like major cities. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, in some other places, the pay is really low and you're expected to do so much. And there's just not that, there's not that, it just doesn't make sense. Like the math mm-hmm. is not mathing. So people yeah. are just like, why would I do this and be stressed out when I go work somewhere else and not be? Yeah, yeah. I think the South is really bearing a big, a yes. big sort of part of this right now. Um, you know, we said, I said that 3.4 number when it comes to vacancies. I think the, the South is at like 4.2. Um, mm-hmm. so, I believe you it. know, it, it, it's sort of wild down there. And that, and it's, it's messed up too because, these these kids deserve an education and they need people in these schools and now schools are trying to resort to other tactics to get people in here right dropping requirements for for people to come in and teach and who really loses at the end of the day right at the end of the day it's it's students they they Mm -hmm. they end up losing and it's messed up that we have this system um that you know has sort of put them in a position where they're just helpless. Uh, they right. have no say over any of this. And and we have people who are great educators who want to be educators. Um, I firmly believe that when people go into education, it tends to be one of the fields that's more of a lifelong field than any other field. Mm-hmm. Um, and people really grapple when they have to leave because they understand the, the implications of that. On absolutely. Their 
Absolutely. Right? It's not, yeah, it's not an easy decision that people make, especially, you know, when you're in the, um, I know for me, when I transitioned out of the, out of like working in a school, I had been working in education for 15 years. So mm-hmm. it felt like, okay, it didn't, it wasn't such a difficult decision. And I also knew that I was still working within education. It was just in a different type of role. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes when teach for some teachers, you know, where their plan was to become a teacher and they expected themselves to continue teaching but then now they're realizing like this is not it and that causes a lot of different um emotional feelings as well because now it's like I need to change the course of my career I need to change like it's it's a lot of change um that can impact someone especially like when you think about our our um folks who are in their you know early to mid-20s kind of figuring things out and then having to make such a decision like that and completely change the trajectory of their Mm -hmm. career that can be really um daunting and And it's unfortunate because I know so many, I know too many good educators who have made that decision because it's just like, it's just not, they just, it just, it's not sustainable. Um, And, you know, they, they recognize there are other options out there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you saw it yet, but the, uh, the season two of Abbott elementary just dropped. Not, uh, last. Oh yeah. I I didn't see it yet, but I did, I did see that. Um, it started yesterday, I think. Yeah, so this is a little bit of a spoiler, but Janine, the main <laughs> character, she was struggling to, to to pay some of her bills and she was trying to mm. keep it under wraps because she wanted to be an adult and all these things. And so it was sort of tackling this this pay issue. And I know that's not the only issue when it comes to, to the teacher shortage, right? We know conditions of schools. We know that obviously uh, leadership, there's tons mm-hmm. of different factors that go into play here. But I just, I really love that show. And I think it's speaking to some of the things that we see inside of schools um, that are uh, um, people know, but I think they don't know the extent of what's right. going on. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So in keeping all of these things in mind, right, if you were to say what the state of the job market is for teachers right now, if you had to, to, to sort of fill in the blank after that, what would the state of the job market for teachers be right now? I mean, I, I think there's definitely, I think... There are a lot of available positions, right? <laughs> so teachers that are currently teaching and let's say they decide they want to go to another school or something like that, I'm pretty sure that they'll be able to find other schools that are available. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, you have to kind of think about why this particular school or district has so many vacancies. Like mm-hmm. typically that's for a reason if there are a lot of vacancies. So if because most schools if there are not a lot of vacancies that's a good sign because people are staying right Mm -hmm. people are Mm -hmm. staying in that particular school retention rates are strong but so I think that that is that so there's definitely I think positions that are available and more more school systems are um you know, not requiring certification anymore or not requiring some of those factors. And I mean, the way I feel about certification to a certain extent, I think that I don't necessarily know if you need to be certified in order to be an effective teacher. I think that there can be alternate ways to be able to gauge that. Mm -hmm. But I think what's happening is schools are, you know, trying to attract, um, certain types of people versus kind of looking in the community where schools are located. So for example, like I've always um, 
worked in Washington, D.C. So like a lot of times people that are in the community, grandparents, moms, community leaders, like they may not have all the certifications and all that type of stuff. But I would I feel like though they are more qualified versus just kind of bringing in someone who's not from the community and who doesn't, you know, maybe they don't have the, they, they also don't have certification or whatever, but I think sometimes we're, we're putting certain things like, okay, your bachelor's degree, you have your bachelor's degree. So that automatically makes you more qualified mm-hmm. when I just think that we need to look, we need to look more about, look at what really qualifies someone to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we need to also look to the community and see, like, are there folks that are within the community that can provide some type of support or that we could provide them with some type of training or whatever? I mm-hmm. think the alternative often is like, oh, well, let's see, let's get a program like TFA or and get mm-hmm. those folks in. But a lot of times those folks are not from the community. So there's already these cultural gaps. But, yeah. you know, because they have a bachelor's degree, people are like, oh, OK, well, that's better than not having a bachelor's degree. But then it's just like, is it, though? Is it? Is it? Yeah. Like, and I, I completely agree with you. So I think oftentimes, and, and this is my own opinion, so um, don't attach any of this to her, but I think those programs are more detrimental than anything, to be honest. Um, I agree. You know, um, especially in Black communities, and let's be real, right. where are they placing most of these teachers in Black communities? Yep. And, um, you know, for me, I I have a, a very personal tie to this because my my grandmother um, worked in schools her entire life um, and she was only a parapro. She was a paraprofessional. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's actually research out there that shows that paraprofessionals are actually more effective educators sometimes than the actual certified teachers and licensed mm-hmm. teachers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes parapros are usually the people who are from the community and have yep. connections and ties, right? And people really really respected my grandmother because they knew her they lived by her they were she, they right. saw her at the grocery store right they knew she knew they mama right so, right. so they right. wasn't gonna act up they respected miss layfield on a regular basis they wasn't gonna do nothing um and they weren't gonna let nobody else do nothing to right. her too right yep. and and when you have that type of reverence and respect for a person inside of school you're more likely to learn from them you're mm-hmm. you're you're open and receptive to those things and so i completely agree with you i don't think certification programs are the only way to to identify a qualified teacher or to have Absolutely. people in the classroom that are going to be effective. Um, I think looking to our own community is absolutely important people yep. especially in the black community respect people that they they are around on a regular basis a little bit more and they're more willing to learn from them simply absolutely put. um you know and i i know the intents of the the teacher placement programs i think the intents initially were absolutely in the right place but let's look at the outcomes where have the outcomes what are the outcomes right um mm-hmm. largely since the 1970s the outcomes have been the same in education. <laughs> Nothing Basically. has really changed, right? So, so are you, are they helping? Are they hurting? Or are they sort of a, a neutral party that aren't isn't doing either? Um, so, it's it's an interesting conversation to have. That's for yeah, sure. yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. So, let me ask you this: When we think about people in education, are there any tips that you might have for people who? are in education and either are looking for a new job or trying to advance their careers. Maybe they're trying to move up from being an educator and maybe they want to get into administration to, to potentially have some change um, inside of their schools. Any, any advice for those, those people? Yeah. I think that like, I always tell people to start 
looking for looking at like job descriptions and things like that of like possible jobs that you'd be interested in having it's always good to just explore and see what is out there right so if I know I'm a teacher and I eventually want to be like a, a leader or something I may look at a job description of a leader in my district or even if I want to get in like ed tech or something I will look at that job description but then the next step of it is looking at the responsibilities and the skills that are required and then doing your own self-assessment like okay so where am I with this right so I use I use I recommend people to use that job description as a way to assess like how, you know, scale of one to five, how am I with this, right? So anything that you are at that one or two level, that means that part of, and that's the type of job that you desire, the next step is to kind of create a plan for yourself to be able to really like sharpen those areas. But Mm -hmm. it's kind of like having a vision. So if like, you know that this is what you want to do, like look at those job descriptions as an opportunity to see, okay, this is what I'm, this is what I'm aiming for, but this is where I'm at right now. How can I improve upon that? And then I would even also say like, how do you get other people to share with you? Like, what are your areas of strength and what are your areas of growth? Um, we actually, so I have a membership community for um, Black women educators. And so next month, we're focused on leadership and instructional coaching. And so like, the next month, we're focused on just what I just said, like, how do you identify your strengths? How do you identify your areas of growth? How do you become more self-aware um, as an aspiring leader? Because then at like, when you know those those things those are things that you can keep sharpening or improving upon and it's the same thing with like the jo- using the job description like if you know that you don't have uh, a lot of uh, experience with like data analysis and, and and being able to unpack data and present it to people then it's like well how can you get that experience how can you um, learn that skill how can you practice it within your current context mm-hmm. um, I know a couple people who are interested in transitioning into educational ed tech right so mm-hmm. more in the technology space and it's the same thing it's like there are certain skills that are required of you are can are any of those skills that you that are required are there things that you could practice right now at your job and a lot of times there is and then sometimes you have to be a little bit more creative and find ways to be able to get those um skills down but it's really important not to uh wait to the last minute to kind of start applying for these things like you have to be forward thinking even like where it's like okay if i know that next school year i want to apply for this type of job like now is the time for you to start really seeing what's out there and assessing you know what your skills are so that you really can be prepared for when that happens like you know and even like things like updating your resume and making sure that like your resume actually aligns with some of the skills that are needed like those are and then actually making sure you have those skills so Mm -hmm. that's what I would recommend for um, someone that is like think about transitioning into something else whether it's in the education space or not because many teachers are also going into other career fields but it's the same Mm -hmm. thing where it's just like you can look and see like what are my skills that I have that can be transferred into other fields or how can I even how can I um you know, and I'm sure you know this, like, how do I, like, with my resume, if I know that I want to apply for a job outside of education, how can I take those things on my resume and make them more transferable in terms of yeah. skills? Like, pro- maybe what I'm doing is project management, right? But mm-hmm. maybe as teachers, you don't see that you're doing project management, but you are. So how do I highlight that on my resume if I'm transitioning, if I want to transition out of the classroom? 
Yep. So yeah, those are some things I would say. Look, those are gems. That's exactly where I would tell people to start. The other thing that I often see with educators too is educators, when they when it comes to their own experience, they don't often think about numbers, mm-hmm. um, right? It's it, there's there's not many numbers to be thought about, and so I often tell educators to sit down and sort of think, like, okay, well, how many classes do you teach every right. year, or every semester? How many students are in those classes, right? Um, you talk about being on committees. How many committees, right? What is the size of the committees. Uh, Bringing in just small numbers like that still show capacity um, and and show what you're able to do. And and when people are looking to transition out of education, those numbers and things become even more important. Um, When we're looking at things like test scores and all that stuff, I know you guys are measured on those type of things. Look at how you've been able to impact those things over those times, formative and summative assessments, Mm -hmm. all those type of things, and bring those numbers in there. Um, The other thing I can tell you is sort of think about what's transferable to where you're trying to go that's what you were you were highlighting those skills but also think about how can you get your foot in the door if you want to do more because sometimes right. you might want to transition to a field that you fully do not have the skill set for but maybe you decide to actually apply to maybe their learning and development team and help right. them develop their training and development. Now you get a little bit more skills inside of the company and get a little familiar with the industry. And now you can apply to that other position, right? So, it, you know, think about sort of stepping positions as well, stepstone positions that are yeah. fully exactly where you want to be, but can help you get towards that place, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a great piece of advice, definitely. So... I'm always thinking about solutions, right? And we have this this teacher shortage. And it, it would be completely unfair of me to ask you like, oh, what do you think we need to do to, to solve this teacher shortage? Because there's, there's no one answer, right? There's a multitude of answers when it comes to that. But I think one of the biggest things that we're, we're, we're seeing right now across all industries is that we're now in a space where Gen Z is coming into the workforce, right? Um, and if we have a teacher shortage, then we need to figure out how to recruit Gen Z talent into that space as well. Um, I don't know if you've worked with uh, too many people in in the Gen Z space when it comes to education, but um, do you you have any ideas on what people might need to do to attract or retain Gen Z talent to K-12 education? Yeah, I think think that age group is more more focused more into like being able to have boundaries being able to have work like balance like they they are that's the messaging that they've heard and mm-hmm. now that's what they're looking for so mm-hmm. the whole idea of like going above and beyond and doing whatever it takes and all that type of stuff like that's not people are looking for somewhere where they are going to be cared about as an individual and be able to have work life balance and so i think that you know, I would always recommend to school districts because I think a lot of times they will focus on retent, uh, excuse me, on uh, recruitment and try to come up with like different things to recruit people. But I think the issue is always going to be back on retention. So I think school districts oftentimes spend a lot of their energy in the recruitment space because I, I think it's, you know, it's a, it's fun. You can think of all these cool ideas, you know, you can think of different ways to like go to colleges and, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. it, it feels like a, a lighter load versus 
retention where you have to hear the reasons why people are leaving your organization because mm. you can do all the recruitment you want and get folks in the door but if they keep leaving after two to three years it's a never-ending cycle so mm. i think mm. schools if we really want to solve the teacher shortage problem need to focus their energy just like many school districts have a whole recruitment team they have a recruitment like different people who are focused on that they need to do the same thing with retention that same energy has to be put there because what is going to it's going to be a cycle and they're going to be losing money having to like bring people on board every single year train them every single year Mm -hmm. so i think the solution to the teacher shortage problem is looking at like what are our retention strategies what are what is what does this look like who is who is examining the different policies who's actually looking at those exit survey survey datas what are we doing with that information because if we're not doing anything with it and we're just focused on trying to come up with all these cool ways to recruit teachers then it's a never-ending cycle and what what irritates me sometimes is when I see school systems that will be like, you know, we're really trying to re- re- uh, recruit black educators and all that, right? But then it's like, but then you're bringing black educators into spaces that don't feel safe or into spaces where we can't be our authentic self, where now I'm going to get fired because you think I have an attitude, right? You're bringing mm-hmm. us into spaces where you haven't done the work of making it a safe space, but you keep trying to recruit us. Mm-hmm. And that feels very, there's something about that that feels very like predatory because it's like, I remember seeing, um, like a school district that would be on the radio station, like a hip hop radio station. They'd be on buses. They would put, you know, advertisements and marketing. They would put a lot of like the black kids and the ads to market black educators and, and to recruit us. But at the same time, you're not doing anything to retain us. And it feels very like, it just feels very, um, fake. And yeah. so I think more of this new generation, are starting to notice those things. And I hope that like, I always teach people, you know, in terms of the interview process, like you got to, we have to ask the right questions. And I think that this generation um, coming up, they're the generation that is going to be asking those questions. Like what does work balance life look like for you? Mm -hmm. Like what is, you know, getting at those things? Um, What does professional development mean? You know, what do I, like they're asking those, those key questions um, more Mm -hmm. and, that's going to help them to make decisions about whether or not they want to work for your school. I always tell educators, like, you are the asset. You are the asset. You have to operate as such. Like, you have multiple options, multiple mm-hmm. schools. So it's like, you, we, when you are applying for jobs, you can be picky. You can ask questions. You can say, I don't feel like this is a good fit for me because there are multiple other places that are out there. And so if you get any type of inkling where you're like, this is just not, this is not going to work, then, then that's fine. You're, you're the asset. Someone else will want you and you keep it moving. And I've, I've always operated like that where, you know, if I worked in a, a job or a school that was like just not meeting my expectations, I'm I'm out of there because I'm like mm-hmm. I'm the asset. I can go somewhere else and not have to deal with this. So y'all need to recognize that. 
<laughs> and so there's a the confidence that comes with that, that like I actually actually taught a masterclass about this whole concept of you being an asset. But like the confidence that came with that, one of our participants who was in that masterclass, you know, she ended up um, realizing like, yeah, I'm the asset. Right. So she ended up like resigning from her job and getting a new job that paid like twenty thousand dollars more, a different school, different system that now she feels like she's valued. And it's like, that's what's going to keep happening. Educators are realizing their worth and y'all got to catch up, you know, otherwise we're just going to keep having this teacher shortage. Look, that is a message across the board, not even in education. <laughs> we see it. We see it now in corporate. We see it everywhere. As well, you are it. the asset. Companies and organizations cannot survive without their employees. That's right. Put, in education, in corporate America, whatever the case may be. So, yep. um, you know, educational administrators, you heard it here first. Some of that federal relief money y'all got, instead of creating new positions, y'all should probably divert that to looking at how to retain the people right. that you do have um, and create better working environments so that Absolutely. way we're not creating this ev- never-ending cycle of recruitment and loss. Um, mm-hmm. So, okay, come through with the gems and the tips <laughs> today, my friend. So, we are at the end of the episode here. Now, before we jump off, I do have to say thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time again today. I really appreciate you hopping on. I love that we've gone from from just connecting on Instagram to working together to now being on podcast together. Yes. Let's see how we can keep this going. <laughs> <laughs> so tell the people where you they can find you on the internet streets. Yes. So I actually have two Instagram pages now. So I have my black girls teach page. Um, and I'm Instagram is really where I am at. Sometimes I'm on Twitter, but I'm not on TikTok. I'm not even going there. So <laughs> that's it. Um, but I also have, I started a, a page last year. It's called Teach Me D on Instagram. And that's where I work with educators who are either current or aspiring entrepreneurs. Um, and I help them to be able to really be able to do this work that I'm calling a lot of educators to do in terms of education reform, but taking that from the entrepreneurship space um, and then also knowing how to leverage social media to really build communities so that we can do this work and solve, you know, one of any of the problems that are out there. I always tell people like education is filled with like a whole, so many different issues. Right. But like Mm -hmm. each of us can take on one piece of that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so with my teach me D page, it's really focused on empowering educators with the tools to really be able to navigate entrepreneurship and leverage social media. um, Because social media is a great way to be able to get your name out there and increase your visibility um, and really position yourself as, you know, the, the thought leader, that education needs right now so that is um that's something that I've been doing for the past year and I love it so anybody you know you can definitely follow me on any one of those pages okay y'all yeah. heard it here follow our <laughs> black girls teach and at teach me d on mm-hmm. instagram and a little bit of twitter with that black oh <laughs> yeah a little tiny bit <laughs> <laughs> a little tiny bit well okay thank you again my friend for coming on we You're welcome. I don't be surprised if i hit you up again later down the road um but once again everybody i appreciate you joining and until next time we'll talk to you soon thank you living corporate is brought to you by Doximity. Doximity is committed to fostering an inclusive and diverse work environment where differences are valued, practices are equitable, 
and employees experience a sense of belonging that allows them to bring their full, authentic selves daily. As medicine's largest network, there's an elevated level of responsibility to everything we do. We don't take that responsibility lightly and are committed to working towards a more equitable world inside and beyond our virtual office walls. So if you want to learn more about Doximity, go to your app store and type in D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. Again, that's D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y.